the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. And you are listening to I Am Real Estate, and we are expecting Sam Himmelstein. He hasn't uh, called in yet, so I assume he's calling in, but he was supposed to be on right now. So when as soon as he gets to us or comes in, uh, we will have him on, and he was talking about all of the new uh, rent regulations because New York just passed a pretty strict rent regulations bill, and he's going to talk about the changes that are revolutionary and other things. So he'll be with us. But until then, we were talking about different generations, what makes you happy. Uh, what We were talking about, actually, uh, I think Ace was telling us that uh, Nashville, a lot of millennials are going there. It's a very hip city. It's It's lively. It has a lot of music. Now, we are talking about generation. You're talking about the millennials, right? Yeah. Okay. So the and the National Association of Realtors says that the youngest millennials, okay, and the oldest generation, general, general um, generation Z, which is 1995 and 1998, purchased 8% of the homes sold in 2017, and that's growing. But generation Z is the largest generation. Now, Generation Z already accounts for about 21% of the U.S. population, 64 million people, and by 2020, which is right around the corner, how, how old will, will they be? This group is expected to outnumber millennials, <clears throat> which wow. is larger than baby boomers. Generation Z, huh? Okay, by nearly 1 million people. So, now, why am I telling you that, uh, and why do you need to know that? Well, if you're in business, you need to know that. She needs to hold the customer on how that's going to change. Um, and housing, if you're selling a house, you need to. I always tell people when you're fixing your house up, chances are, especially if it's an entry-level house, a millennial is going to buy it. So you want to kind of do yeah. it the way they like, and they don't like things to not be done. But uh, Generation Z is born between 1995 uh, and 2010, the oldest of that generation is about 18. Now, they're not really ready to buy houses yet, okay? But they said that they purchased 8% of the homes in 2018, yeah. and it accounts for about 21% of the population. And they say Generation Z, which will be are younger than the millennials, they want to buy houses, okay? 
Uh, the majority of Generation Z members still live at home with their parents, so they're not, because they're still young, they still have dreams of becoming homeowners. Um, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, which my friend runs uh, the whole franchise, found that 97% of Generation Z believes that they will own a home in the future, and they feel that it's one of the most important factors in their, that they would look for. So they're a generation that wants to buy homes. It doesn't look like there's any generation that doesn't. I just yeah. want you to know that. I mean, at least that while I've been alive, okay? Um, they will most likely begin their search <clears throat> online, as the millennials do. And they will believe that it's important to have professionals at their side. They believe in using real estate brokers and finding good ones that really will help them navigate through it. They want to live near work. Uh, they, the oldest of the generation, uh, feel that living close to work is a priority for them. You know, they'll take less property, less apartment or house. And so that's the generation that's kind of not there yet, but it's coming up. And if you're going to be selling your home, millennials are leading all of the generations now in buying. And, uh, they are, millennials are uh, 36 of the past year sales, and that's up from 34. Now, remember, Generation Xers are 65 to 76, and the baby boomers are 46 to 64. So they're kind of, the baby boomers are kind of, a lot of them are selling their big houses and moving into co-ops or, not, or condos or moving out of the suburbs and moving to a city or buying a second home in Florida, the Hamptons, or somewhere. Um, but millennials have the majority of the share in the home buying market. And I, I, if I'm doing this show a long time, a couple of years ago they weren't. The, the yeah. baby boomers were still the largest. But now the millennials have overtaken them. They're buying more homes. So chances are your house might sell to a millennial. And over the past year, millennial home buyers had a higher household income now, this might seem low if you're in New York because it's hard to live on it, uh, but it's a lot. 88000 Now, that's 88000 was the average millennial income, and they're young still. Mm -hmm. And that's a national average. Of course, usually in the cities, the income is higher because to live in the city, you have to make more money. Uh, and for the millennials who plan to buy a home this year, uh, their biggest challenge ace which you can which ace can help them is the ability inability to save for a down payment yeah that's been a struggle for millennials and living in big cities at least well you need a down payment i mean that most millennials are using most of their money they're not um you know on just living and they have two incomes and they're but to save, you know, that's one thing. And they're paying high rents. The rents aren't yeah. cheap. I, so mm -hmm. if you have a decent job and your your spouse works or your significant other works, still saving money is a yeah. thing. But, Ace, you have a lot of mortgages yeah. that you don't have to have that much down. No, I mean, you can actually put 5% down all the way up to 850000 and then 10% down if you're looking to buy 
an apartment that's $2 million. But Dottie, you know, one thing that, that I'm noticing is, you know, a lot of the millennials back in, I would say, 2008, 2009, these millennials were just coming out of college or they were just graduating. So they had a lot of student debt. Now, 10 years fast forward, a lot of these student debts are now being paid off. So the older um, generation of millennials now are, they have enough down payment, they've saved a good amount, and I think that's why the percentage and the trend, it's shifting towards millennials um, buying a lot of homes now. So Yes, and they're, and they're a big generation. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a big generation. Now, you know what I read? Um, I never heard of this, so pardon me, because it might be a household name, and I just never heard of it, but I'm always pretty honest to tell you when I don't know something. Because I don't know a lot of stuff. I just know who to go to when I don't know. <laughs> but they say this. I saw this in uh, one of the papers. Did you ever hear of Sally Mae? So I looked at it. I thought mm-hmm. it was Fannie Mae or something. But then I saw Sally Mae. And it says Sally Mae, the student loan provider. They've been around for a while. Once sponsored by the government. Mm-hmm. So I assume it's no longer sponsored by the government. Is expanding into credit cards. And the company... This month unveiled a, a suite of three credit cards aimed at college students, recent graduates, and young professionals. So that's going to be their audience. And that's a great audience. Yeah, they that's... need Okay. Um, it's a new card and it offers rewards for responsible financial behavior. I'm going to look into this yeah. just for, I just kind of, you know, like it's a niche. And I'm, I, I love business. And I always try to see what people do. Now, that's a niche. I mean, that's a perfect audience, right, Daddy? Yeah. That's, that's... that's a niche where they're buying homes. They have jobs. Okay. They, they need to save a down payment. They have school loans. So they have some debt. And uh, there'll be no annual fees and zero APR for six to 12 months. And they're designed to encourage good money habits. Now, I don't remember in my day anyone that designed any credit card. I mean, you, they wanted to get back, they, they, pay back yeah. the banks, but they didn't design it to encourage that yeah. necessarily. They designed it. So I just, I'm going to look into that. It's, I'm just curious because it, it's a niche, and that's a big niche. You know, it's it's huge now, Dottie. Financial literacy is so important uh, for just not even the younger generation, but everyone and. You know, I think a lot of companies are realizing that, and they're doing a lot to make sure that people are financially sound. Now, I always tell you to add, to call in and let us know what you think, and yeah, I'd love to hear you. I like when people yeah. call and tell us their opinions. But we asked millennials, uh, "When do you want to retire by?" Now, this is there's uh, no right answer, there's no wrong answer, and of course, you could say thirty, but uh, that's kind of not most realistic. <laughs> what do you think the average? Age that they want to retire for millennials. Yeah, millennials. Which so, is ages? What are they now? Probably thirty six, thirty seven, twenty five, twenty six, yeah. around there. I I think they're gonna they're gonna say forty five. No, no. They were very realistic. Yeah. They said sixty one. Wow, that's very now, realistic. Now, Social Security, I think may not be around. Well, that's yeah. Those, it might be not be around. So you really have to. We should do some shows on that. You really have to plan for that. Uh, it should be around for a little bit longer, but I think yeah. they're going to run out of money next year, and they're mm-hmm. going to start dipping into. Yeah, I read. I just read a whole article about that. But if you were to get Social Security, 
I don't think it kicks in now until you're 67 or 68, something like that, 67. Uh, So, and again, if you're young, it might not be here. I think, you know, they have, they're going to give it to the people if you're retiring in the next five or six years. Of those millennials saving, the median retirement balance is about $19,000. So that means that that's how much they've saved so far. Or you're the the company has a 401k plan. Uh, the average millennial is contributing about 7.5. Now I think a lot of it's through their company's yeah. plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I find it very disciplined and smart if you're a millennial and you are doing it as your own discipline on your own. But you don't only really have to take money out as Ace does. Some of these real estate properties are really not something that you're going to turn over quickly, and you have to decide if that's something you want to manage and do. But that's also can give you some yeah. future income uh, or pa- or income that you can get when you're not working as much or you're not in your peak working years. Millennials uh, lead all of the generations in buying homes, and if those millennials who really struck it rich early and so they're looking for very expensive, they're looking for high-end properties, I kind of did some research on what they want mm-hmm. because we like to know who our customer is yeah. and we want to know, we like to know, you know, what the millennials want is not necessarily what the baby boomers want and if you're selling a home, you kind of want to know who your audience might be so that you can stage it that way. Staging is becoming very big. Very big. Home buyers under 50 accounted for those shopping for price a million dollars or more. So these are people that are looking for at least a million dollars or more. And the people that we that were talked to and that the survey had were between 25 and 49 years old. Uh, and it's, okay, making, they having at least a million dollars in assets. Okay. They demanded security cameras, which I think is going to be kind of a universal thing. I don't think that's any why you could get bells now that yeah, the ring that you ring them and the person's face is on there. Uh, so they wanted security cameras. Uh, they wanted larger spaces and fancier finishes. Finishes are very important to millennials. Uh, and maybe I could explain when you say finishes, you mean the Hardware, countertops, the, the countertops. Uh, I think millennials need to see something that's new, right? So if you have an older home and you're a seller, make point. sure that you know you. If you don't want to fix it, at least have the millennial picture your property finished, right? Either bring in a contractor and things of that nature, because millennials don't really want to come in and and do a fixer upper as much as probably the generation before. So just doing something brand new, creating a smart home with technology, maybe a wellness home as well, are things that millennials will be looking for. So, Yeah, so other features that the millennials uh, said were essential were commercial-grade kitchens, which means appliances, appliances which means they yeah. want high-end they appliances. They want high-end appliances, yes. Um, they say hot tubs. I don't see that, that they really care. Well, I, don't, I don't think that that's essential, but this survey said that. Um, multiple view security cameras, which yeah. I already mentioned. Proximity to good restaurants. 
It's important. Very important to millennials. They, they need now, to go out. They need to eat. Yeah. And uh, if your home is not in a place where there's a lot of restaurants, well, there's nothing you can do. But your home, the homes that are closer to a town or a village that has some things going on yeah. is very popular now. They're, they they like community amenities, and uh, while they're doing that, the older, like the generation of the baby boomers, they're opting to do downsize. Correct. And I just saw one of my uh, favorite and most successful developers on Long Island. He's doing something in Southampton. He just did something in Southampton. He's just doing another project. He's done in Meadow, He's done in by Roosevelt Field. Well, he was telling me that, and I don't want to spill the beans, but on, in a part of Long Island that's a very upscale part, uh, which has a lot of mansions, the people and the mayor came to him and said, listen, can you build on this property luxury townhouses or luxury condos? Because the people that have these big houses are aging now. They want to stay in New York and on Long Island. Their kids are around but they don't want the headache of a big house anymore. And with a condo, which luxury condos are starting to really become very big, uh, with a condo, they, they don't have to do anything. You know, you, the condo, you own the home, but the land around it is not yours. So you know, maybe you have a little piece of property, but it's never much. And they do everything. The only thing you're responsible for is the inside. And so, again, when you're... Whether you're a builder, whatever your business is, the builders are looking at what is the generation going forward want, what do the baby boomers want, okay? And so baby boomers are looking for condos, which condos really weren't big for a while, you know? They like they were kind of, oh, Dad, that's what you get when you can't afford a house. But they're coming back, and they're coming back as luxury condos. You know, it makes sense, Dottie, right? So baby boomers, they they had these McMansions where they had to take care of the landscaping and and uh, and all of that. And now they just want to downsize and go into a building that just has amenities readily for them. So Right. Now, three out of five respondents under 50 said they expect to inherit, okay, at least $1 million. So the millennials, we hope their parents don't die soon, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're not that old yet, I don't think. But the millennials, when they do, they they would inherit money, and they 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 estimate an average of three point eight million. Wow! That the millennials will inherit will inherit from their parents, which are the baby boomers, by the way. So I don't want to count you guys dead, including me. But uh, <laughs> they're looking for it. And thanks to a tax provision passed under George Bush, a lot of the wealth is available sooner to today's heirs. Uh, more than 171,000 family gave gifts. Now, you can give $20,000, I think, a, a, a person or a child. You can gift money. And today, the baby boomers, unlike their parents, where they were kind of, when I die, then you can get it. Today, the baby boomers, who kind of worked their whole lives, if they have available cash, they'll give it to their kids while they're alive and they can see it. Yeah. And I know that you must deal with a lot of parents. Yeah, that we do. We help do. their kids. Yeah, we do deal a lot with uh, estates and uh, trust. So. Yeah, um, but I will tell you, the estate tax is going to go up it's in like go two up. years. Yeah. So if you're thinking of passing anything on to your kids, 
you should really talk to a financial planner now yeah. or an estate attorney because I think it's going up. It's going, it's up. going down. You're going yeah. gonna, to gonna tax on it. We'll be right back after the break. This weekend on Champions of Justice, the eyes have it. That is, your eyes convey fear, surprise, happiness, and other emotions in an instant before you can mask your feelings. And Tom Girardi talks with attorney Michael Leeserman about what this means both in the courtroom and relationships. You'll learn how to use this tool. Tune in Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. When it comes to protecting your family, home, or business, you need a name you can trust. You need us. Honig Conti Perino Insurance. In Manhattan since 1902. We're family-owned, experienced, and credible. We believe in a face-to-face, roll-up-your-sleeves approach. Our clients receive individual and personal care. Honig Conti Perino, the name to trust. Call 212-777-7113 or honigconti.com. H-O-N-I-G-C-O-N-T-E dot com. Honig Conti Perino, not just providing insurance but insurance guidance in an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust at a time where it's difficult to find facts not just opinion there is an oasis in the news desert it's the cats roundtable john katsimatidis the personification of the american dream who built a multi-billion dollar business empire talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every sunday morning at 8 30 a.m you won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Cats Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8.30, right after Morano in the Morning on AM 970. The Answer. We're surrounded by noise, bombarded by information, messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out for the resources and know-how to make it all work. There's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. When you feel heartburn up in your throat, you'll do anything for fast relief. You might chug milk directly from the source. Okay, girl. Easy. You might slurp down an entire slushie in a single breath. Oh, that didn't help. Don't try just anything. Try new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers, the only antacid that melts to leave a cooling sensation while it starts working as fast as now to relieve heartburn. Oh, that's better. Soothe the burn with new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers. Use as directed. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and uh, I think our guest, something must have happened, because it's not unlike Sam to not 
be here, so I'm hoping that he's okay. And then it was just a kind of maybe sometimes, you know, your calendar gets crazy and you just forget or something came up or maybe his kids showed up for Father's Day. Who knows? But we just hope you're okay and we'll have him back, I think, another day. But basically, I, with the uh, rent the, the, the rent control, we, we really should talk about it. I am not an attorney, so I'm not going to be able to give you the depth of uh, what you would hear from an attorney. But anyhow, it's a very, very progressive uh, and really in favor of the, the tenants. Uh, and I, I don't know the, I have it somewhere because I was going to cover a little bit of it and I'm going to find it and then give you the highlights of it. Uh, but basically it's really pro tenants and it really makes it much harder for, uh, usually I think the landlords when they had rent stabilized or rent controlled when somebody left the apartment, that's why nobody really left. If you had those apartments, those are like gold. But if you were to leave or die or something, um, I think they were allowed to raise the rents. And I don't believe you can do that um, anymore. But I'm going to get you the exact things. And if I can't cover it all today because I don't have the experts and I don't like to give advice when I don't know the exact rulings, um, I will get somebody on. I can just give you the highlights. It's, if you're a tenant, you'll love it. If you're a landlord, you might not because you're limited on how much money you can really make. Uh, and there's a lot of things you, you know, and on the side of the landlords, and again, everyone's different depending on when they bought mm -hmm. the building and things <clears throat> of that nature. If you're doing, if you're giving rates that are well below market, if you're charging rents that are well below market, unless you bought the building years and years and years ago and you didn't pay that much, it's going to be hard for them to make money. So kind of in my mind, the ideal thing is for both parties to win. But New York is pretty expensive, so I don't know if that would really hurt people. I think as long as you're living in the apartment, it's what happens that you're fine. I think it's what happened. What would happen after the apartment was when somebody died, whether they could make yeah. that into it's a, a free market. A free market, and then if they could, it wouldn't affect the person that had it initially, but it would affect how many rent. Rent control, the rent stabilized apartments come onto the market because no one's going to build one now. So it would be less than more. So I think that that's, uh, that's a, key, a, a key issue. Also, Dottie, for our listeners, currently for a rent stabilized apartment, landlords can increase it by 6% for home improvements. But with the new, um, I guess, bill coming out, right. it's going to be a maximum of 2%. So that helps the uh, renters as well. So they can only charge maximum of 2%? 2% instead of 6%. So. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I, 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 I did before the show, and I did last night. I, mean, I was up working on the show a little bit. Well, not a little bit, a lot, actually. And uh, here. Uh, I will re Now, whoever wrote this article that I looked up, I don't know, so they might have been pro or not pro, I don't know. But it says... Uh, they passed on Friday a package of rent laws designed to dramatically enhance tenant protections and reshape the state's housing landscape after a big battle. And um, 
the law signaled a shift not only in the relationship between tenants and landlords, but also in the power balance of Albany. And basically, the law would immediately transform the life, it says, for the 2.4 million people who live in roughly 1 million rent-regulated apartments in New York City by closing the loopholes that have allowed landlords to raise rents or deregulate properties. The existing rent laws were to expire today, I think. Uh, The legislation's reach could also extend much further in the coming weeks. And it says that localities statewide, so it's not just New York City, localities statewide will be allowed to adopt their own rent regulations. Now, what that exactly means, I don't know, which had previously been limited to New York City and a few suburbs. So I think what that means, and I'm not sure yet, we're going to find more about this next week, uh, but I think what that means is if you're not in New York City, you're, you can kind of do that. You, mm-hmm. you can, your locality can do that. Um, so that's, that's big. And there are two types of rent-regulated units exist in New York City, just in case you're not familiar, rent-controlled and rent-stabilized. And the changes occur to both of them, not only rent-controlled, but rent-stabilized. So rent-controlled became popular in the city after World War II when soldiers returned homes and sought apartments for their families. And the demand caused rents to increase because there was a big demand. You're out of the service, you're out of the war, you get married, and you're going to have a family. So there was a big increase in, in rent, leading to a housing shortage. And in its height, more than 2 million rent-controlled apartments exist in the city, but only a small fraction now remain. And uh, it looks like it's 22,000, according to a survey of 2018. Now, if you're a family, you can pass the unit on to another member. Mm -hmm. So once you have, it's like you own something. I mean, it's really savings. Uh, So a family can pass the rent control status, a unit that falls out of rent control then can be leased at the market rate. And then rent stabilization applies generally to apartments and buildings with at least six units that were built between 1947 and 74 and buildings of that size built before 47. And basically, rent increases at stabilized units are determined by the city's rent guidelines board. This year, the board allowed for a 1.5% increase for one-year leases and a 2.5% for two-year leases. Now, that might seem boring, so just to get to the main thing, your rents don't go up, so they can't raise them to market value. And I guess the the longer you've had the apartment, now don't forget, you could pass them on. So some of these people have lived in the apartments forever. so rent hikes based on building improvements, like A said, uh, now they can only cap to 2%, so mm-hmm. they can't really do that. Misuse of per- prefer- preferential rents. Landlords of rent-stabilized apartments can offer units to tenants for a price lower than legal regulated rent, but they can no longer raise the rent to legally mandated limits. So when a lease is renewed, so... They're saying that they tried to push tenants out, and I'm sure there were some lids that did. Mm-hmm. I mean, so to prevent that, it looks like when they move out, and again, I need an attorney and somebody. This just came out, so yeah. Uh, but it looks <clears throat> like when they move out, 
where they could raise the apartment to market rates, they can't. Yeah. They could raise a little bit, but they can't raise it. They used to be able to raise it by 20%. Yeah, well, that looks like that's changed. That's changed. If a tenant in a rent-stabilized unit earned over 200000 a year in two consecutive years, the landlord could deregulate the unit. That will no longer be allowed. Yeah, that's big, actually. Well, yeah. Because tenants can continue to make good income and... So, in other words, the purpose, in my opinion, is to give somebody a break. Correct. Because the city's really expensive, and there are many people living in these apartments, and I guess that still is going to be, that really make a lot of money. And uh, my thoughts are when you make a certain amount of money, you know, you should have maybe a grandfather, you know, a grace period of five years or something. But Mm -hmm. that's really what I think the purpose of that should be, but that's my own. The owner use loophole that landlords and their family members have been able to remove rent-stabilized tenants from multiple units to use them as residences sometimes were abused, and that's probably true because everything gets abused some way, uh, but it's not that everyone abused it. And ultimately, um, they were able to raise rents, and now landlords will only be able to claim owner use for one apartment. So if you're an owner, I guess if you own a building, you could declare one apartment that you can have. So basically, it's really, it's really looks like it might it's going to hurt the landlords. Landlords and uh, security deposits will be limited to one month's rent, and procedures will be improved to make it easier for renters to get their security deposit back. I think that's all good. Tenants who were seen as troublemakers by landlords, perhaps for standing up for their rights and perhaps for really being troublemakers, uh, would sometimes end up on a blacklist that would be shared among rental agencies. Uh, That practice would be banned. Tenants would be better protected during the eviction process, particularly against retaliatory evictions. You know, they're going to make sure that they're not unlawful. And basically, it's all good for the, the tenant. And uh, we'll have the details on that for next week. Uh, But I think this week we're just going to tell you that there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of uh, talk about this before it ever happened. People trying to pro, you know, and again, the other side of it was that the landlords, that people are not going to buy buildings in the city. Because the values aren't as as Well, because if you value commercial real estate that's income producing... The value of a commercial real estate property is not just the price that you... It's based on the rental income. By the rent roll, like yeah. Like how much rent you could get. Uh, so you have to look at the rent roll, and if the rent roll is low and the price is high, which everything in the city is high, well, then you're buying something that you probably can't make any money on, and that will limit how many people buy property. We'll be right back. Does that... Did you know it was once considered anti-American to throw away the core of an apple? In the 1940s, there was a common poster with a picture of a beautiful child happily eating the core of an apple. The slogan read, Be True to the Core. This was a nationwide program concentrating on nutrition and discouraging food waste. 
Keeping our citizens strong at home was an important aspect of winning the war in Europe. American citizens are fighting the war against lifestyle disease. Research shows we must eat every edible part of fruits and vegetables to keep our bodies strong and able to fight off biological invaders that are making us sick. Much of the disease-fighting chemistry in fruits and vegetables are located in the core and skin of produce. Often we are peeling off and coring the strongest available chemistry for fighting the deadly diseases of our day. It turns out Grandma was right. Eat all your fruits and vegetables and be true to the core. This is Dr. Douglas Howard with your health tip of the week. Balance of nature, changing the world one life at a time. I used to have uh, chronic bronchitis and all of that, but I haven't had it in a long, long time. So it's really helped my immune system. I, I really believe that. I mean, it's amazing. Everywhere I go, I talk about how good these things are. My wife was very sick, and she and her and um, she she lost forty pounds, and she lo- got all these wrinkles and everything else. But her face is turned around, and now she's got a, r- a red glow in her face again, and the wrinkles are disappearing. I'm very happy with you, Keith. You've, you've changed my whole face and my insides, and I, I half the time I don't need blood pressure medicine. I'm 72, and I never felt better. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. For a limited time, you can receive a 30% discount and free shipping on your first preferred order of Balance of Nature. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code THEANSWER. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, June 25th at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street in Midtown Manhattan at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. And on Thursday, June 27th at Bocelli's Ristorante, 1250 Highland Boulevard in in Grasmere, Staten Island at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Okay, you're listening to I on Real Estate. I'm here with Ace, who's a financial expert myself. Uh, we're sorry that our guest was unable to make it today. They had some personal thing that just happened. So we'll reschedule that. But basically the rent, the rent, uh, rental laws that came up that were just passed that are in effect, I think, today, which are pro-tenant, and we'll probably try to get into that next week. I thought I'd take some of this time with between talking about the mortgages and some of the questions that you guys have sent to me. And so one of the, the questions that uh, I got an email about, it says, what, you know, what should I do? If I'm relisting my house, if I, in other words, I, they, they listed with a broker. If you listed, you had your listing and it expired. So it means you didn't get any offers. You might have gotten offers, but you didn't accept them. And if I want to relist it, what's, what, how do I do that? 
Um, and then they asked, do buyers look at days on the market? They do. And I would say, of those always probably some that don't, but for most part, the millennials and the buyers are pretty yeah. attuned to, let's see how long it's on the market, because then if it seems like it's on the market a long time, then they're like, okay, what's wrong with this house? Or it may be overpriced, so we're going to try to get a better price. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you relist it, because that's the question they asked, that the agent wants them to withdraw the listing and re- take it off the market, and then like a week or two later write a new listing so that the buyers don't know that it's been on the market I think, a long I think time. they can still see that it was taken down yeah, and I think, relisted. So. Yeah, I think you could see this. Inf- you could get away with things like that when the information wasn't exactly, all over the place. when there was no technology. And to but... me, information is all over the place, and buyers are pretty astute now. They they're, can get and they're they, savvy. They'll they'll find out. They'll find out. Then so. you look like you're lying. Exactly. And that you're trying to hide something. So yeah. I think that you know you need to assume that the buyer is going to know it's been on the market. Correct. Okay. And come up with a story. I believe life. You have to have stories. <laughs> Prepare a story of why it's that your broker can tell of why it didn't sell. Um, if it's on the market, for, but it's usual, just so you know, rule of thumb, something doesn't usually sell in a day. So an average selling time price, I would say 90, 120 days, you know, four months, three months, four months, yeah. five, somewhere in that. Obviously, if it's a 20 million, you know, really high price or take longer because there's not as many buyers, and just on that question, just so you know, some MLSs won't you let you relist it. It depends on the MLSs. So to that caller, uh, I'm not even sure if you can do it. And really get a great broker. I think I would deal with truths. Once they find out somebody's lying, they're going to think, why are they hiding this? And price it right because chances are it didn't sell because of price. And then, or I, and come up with some aggressive, like some charms. And maybe you could do like ace, buyer will pay points, yeah. or uh, seller will pay points. Seller will pay points. Something that makes it stand out. Then somebody asked me, oh, there was a lot, Dottie, are there um, a lot of foreign buyers today buying? Is, and of course, I don't know when you're comparing it to. Uh, so I can tell you my gut is not as, many, not as many. And it depends on what area we're talking about. And you really didn't give me an area. But I did do some, um, I just got some information from Forbes that I just wanted to share with you. And they said during the 80s, it was traders, investment bankers, and leveraged buyout specialists. During the run-up to the recession, which is like 2008, 2009, around there, it was venture capitalists. And once again, the traders, many of whom uh, were dealing with mortgage-backed securities. After the recession... The hedge fund guys, as with Silicon Valley, hedge funds have tended to be something of a boys' club. So there was a lot of hedge fund money. and uh, But who's buying New York now? Now, this is from Forbes. Okay. Uh, they obviously did some kind of study. And they say uh, prospective buyer purchases large enough to make a dent in ballooning the inventory of Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Long Island City. Uh, there are no more Russians. Now, when they say no more, my guess is what they mean is not as many. There used to be a lot of Russians, but Russian they say there are no more Russian buyers in New York City. 
The oligarchs exited the market a number of years ago as they reign, as the reign of Russia's 21st century czar, Putin, became more entrenched. The escalation of trade, they say, between our two countries has also reduced the number of active Chinese buyers as their economic slowdown and increasing difficulty of moving money. Now, I did know from a year or two ago that people... Uh, that the people, uh, the Chinese bars, a lot of them had moved their money a long while ago, and then the, the government got wise to yeah. that. So they made it more difficult. I'm not saying impossible, but a lot more, a lot difficult. more difficult. So yeah. you see less of that money. And, of course, I don't think the trade thing is, but that's pretty recent. So, but no, not as many. Uh, and according to the data for several top recently built condominium sales, Americans make up, make up 70% or more of the buyers. And that's really good. That's good. And I hate to say this because this is just an opinion and I want to stress it's only my opinion. I'm like, why do we give our country away? You can't buy property. You can't buy real estate in many countries if you're not from that, that country. You can't buy it in Italy. I, I, I don't know all the countries, but as many countries you cannot buy if you're not a citizen. And I'm not saying that we should do that, but I'm also saying if you look at all our historic and big buildings, a lot of them are all owned by foreigners. And I just think that it's fine to have some percentage of us all, but I don't think we should all. I think that, so we, so we have, so that's, I think, good. 70% of the buyers are, in New York City, are Americans. Uh, our, no, our luxury market no longer depends on foreign buyers. And I remember back, you know, five or six years ago, they were like, bring us a foreign buyer, bring us a foreign buyer, bring us a foreign buyer. Because in their minds, they thought that foreign buyers came in with a bag of cash. Didn't know the market. They still have to go to Ace. <laughs> <laughs> they still have to go. Uh, and a number of wealthy Americans are joined to owning part-time home in New York. Now, the Pierre Terres, which are like, small apartments that people live in not full-time was a lot of foreigners because if you're going to because they moved money out yeah. and they feel that real estate in in our country was a safe bet and then they also didn't have to stay in a hotel they had a place to stay when they came well now the trend is that Americans are doing that so if you live in Connecticut and you have a beautiful home in Connecticut a lot of these uh, business people have Pierre tears in New York just not to have the not to have to go through the traffic and everything else and you'll find that people from LA so a lot of Americans are having Pierre tears which means they live in America their second home is in New York City because they love New York City it appeals to people and I think that's good news too um, So you can so the new units that that are on the market really are bought up seventy percent, and these are we're talking luxury, seventy percent. So that's the answer by Americans. So is there foreign money to uh, my my uh, I guess listener who emailed me? Yes, there is. There is. But it's primarily Americans buying New York City now. We're not dependent on foreign buyers as we were. So that, I hope that answers your question. Um, somebody asked me a question. I you know I, I'm 40 years old, and I read your your quotes on the internet and talk about, and you talk about never standing still. 
always pushing forward. Do you ever get tired of the effort? How do I renew my enthusiasm? Now, that's a great question. So how would you, I can answer it. So would you, there's no right answer for that. So how do you, do you ever get tired? Ace? Of course, everyone gets tired. But I think, um, you know, one thing that I tell everyone is you have to enjoy what you're doing, right? So you have to enjoy the journey that you're on. So if you're not in love with actually what you're doing, you're going to get burnt out. And that's what I tell everyone all the time. Pick something that you love doing. And if you can have a choice, you know, then you're going to be happy doing it. But that's that's my biggest advice, I guess. And you have to be able to see in, in life, I think the best position to be in is where you have a choice, where you yeah. can choose. Not, unfortunately, everybody is in a can choice. Can choose, yes. Uh, they have kids and families, and yeah. sometimes they're in places that they don't want to be, but they have to make a living. So if you are in a situation where you have to make a living and you're in a job you don't love, try to find something that interests you that yeah, you love. Find that, a hobby. That, you know, to, okay. But as far as myself, yes, I do get tired. And I don't <laughs> mean mentally. I mean, sometimes it just seems so hard. And you always have to reinvent yourself and... You know, I don't think anything that I did in my life was just easy, okay? <laughs> but it's a journey, and it's not a jo- it was never a job for me. It was a career, and it was something I was, as they said, I was passionate about. Yeah. And um, when you're passionate about something, obviously I like money. I mean, who would say no to that? But I was willing to sacrifice that uh, to build something that I loved, and I... You know, I made enough to uh, live okay, but I certainly kept on reinvesting and had loans and took a lot of risk, but I believed in it. But we all get tired, we all have ups and downs, and we all fail a bunch of times. Just get back in the ring, wipe yourself off, take a deep breath, be around positive people, and get back in again. Happy Father's Day to all the men and all the dads that... Help everybody grow up and be happy Father's Day. Enjoy. We'll be back next week. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.